Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. I just want to comment on a trailer, but now I got a DMCA notice. What the heck is a DMCA? I just want to laugh at a trailer. Now I'm threatened with perjury. Apparently it's Digital Millennium Copyright Act and I could be breaking the law for doing a screen capture. Are you confused? Don't be. Let's help you know a little more about the DMCA. Since the internet became more than just something that university IT experts used, worries about copyright violations on the internet have existed. Digital content is infinitely copyable, and the internet makes it infinitely transferable. That's a nightmare for businesses built on physical limitations to copying, like music, movies, and others. To extend these older business models onto the internet, companies use digital rights management, or DRM. This is a name for varying ways of trying to lock up content so that only a user who is authorized to view it can. It's an attempt to make it not be infinitely copyable. DRM is tricky, though, because you have to balance access for the person who does have the right, like your paying customer, with denying access to anyone who doesn't. Those are at cross-purposes. If you leave a door open for authorized viewers, eventually unauthorized viewers will figure a way into it. So the industry quickly turned to the law, and we get the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, or DMCA. While this is only a law in the U.S., it affects anyone who publishes content in the U.S., like on YouTube, and has provided a model for laws like it around the world. The problem it solves is that no matter what digital locks you put on a file, someone can figure out a way to break them. So the law fixes this by making it illegal to break them. That's one of the main misunderstandings about the DMCA. It doesn't just make unauthorized access illegal. That was already illegal under copyright law. It makes circumventing access protections illegal. And not only illegal, but punishable by fines and imprisonment. So technically, if you did a screen capture with the purpose of circumventing an access protection, you could be punished with a fine or possibly imprisonment, depending on why you did it. Copyright holders can seek up to $2,500 per violation or statutory damages of up to $25,000. That's for a first offender. Repeat offenders can face more. If you're accused of willfully violating the DMCA for personal or commercial financial gain, you can be tried as a criminal offender. A first-time criminal DMCA violator faces a fine of up to $500,000 
up to five years in jail, or both. And repeat criminal offenders can be fined up to a million dollars and up to 10 years in prison. But your screen capturing would have had to been made with the intent of widespread financial gain in that case. But still, keep it in mind. The DMCA was passed as an amendment to the U.S. Copyright Act in 1998. It implemented two 1996 treaties of the World Intellectual Property Organization. It makes it illegal to produce or disseminate, even if you give it away for free, any device or service intended to circumvent measures that control access to copyright works. Give it away for free, you can probably avoid the criminal, but you will still be subject to the civil penalties. Courts decide whether your device or service was intended to circumvent copyright protection because, you know, computers can do this, but that's not the sole intention of selling a computer. So computers are legal. And that's why screen capturing software is also not illegal. The other aspect of the DMCA is it makes it illegal to circumvent access control even if you're not infringing copyright. Yeah. If you have a fair use for something, the, the most common example being making a backup of a DVD, it is illegal under the DMCA to circumvent copyright protection in order to make a fair use of that backup. You can go to court and say, look, it's my own DVD. I was only making the backup for my own personal use. And the court will say, doesn't matter. DMCA says you circumvent access control. You broke the law. You're paying the fine. The DMCA does include some limited exemptions for security research and government research, but those exemptions in the law itself are few. Now, if you're saying, hold on, I thought they changed that and made some DVD copying legal, we'll get to that later, but yes and no, because there are a couple more aspects to keep in mind. One is that the United States Copyright Office, which is part of the Library of Congress, was given the power to create and get rid of further exemptions to the DMCA. So it can restore fair use cases on a case-by-case -case basis. More on that later. The other part of the DMCA that it gets the most attention, I think, is the safe harbor for platforms. Online service providers, as the law calls them, which includes platforms like YouTube and Facebook, are exempt from liability for their users' copyright infringement as long as they meet a few conditions. Platforms keep their safe harbor by promptly blocking access to infringing material once they're notified of an infringement claim. This is called the notice and takedown process. It also provides for a counter notification from a user who claims the material is not infringing. There's also an exemption for a repair person who makes limited copies solely for the purpose of repairing a machine. In other words, if you image a drive to restore it on a replacement drive, that doesn't violate the DMCA. You're allowed to fix a computer. Uh, there are also some provisions for distance education, some weird ephemeral copies that are made in the process of broadcasting television, and a few others. My favorite is Title V. Title V of the DMCA provides protection for boat hull designs. That's H-U-L-L, -L, you know, the part of the boat that's in the water. Because boat hull designs are not covered by copyright, as they cannot be separated from their useful function and therefore are better protected by patents than copyright. This section of the DMCA was added in 1998 after the Supreme Court ruled in Bonito Boats versus Thundercraft Boats that boat hulls do not have copyright protection. So 
Immediately, boat manufacturers lobbied Congress to add an exemption to the DMCA. As of 2019, there have been 538 applications for registrations, not even granted, but applications for boat hull design under the DMCA, compared to more than 70,000 patents for boat hulls actually granted. All right, back to the notice and takedown system. The notice and takedown system is governed by Section 512 of the DMCA. In order to get your safe harbor protection, a service provider has to have an agent on file who takes notifications. It has to be clear where to send your notification as a copyright holder. The provider also can't have reasonably known about the infringing activity or directly benefit financially from infringing activity in general. In other words, your main business can't be infringement. Okay, so let's say you're a safe harbor protected platform. How does it work if somebody thinks their copyright has been infringed on your platform? Different policies exist for every system, but here are the parts required by Section 512. The notifier must send a formal takedown request notification under penalty of perjury. In other words, they can't knowingly lie about it. Once a notice is received, the provider must, quote, expeditiously take down or block access to the material right away. No grace period. It must also promptly notify the user that their content has been removed or disabled because of a DMCA takedown request. The user can then file a counter notification, also under penalty of perjury, that its content was identified as infringing through a mistake or misidentification. That's not the thing they said it was. Or actually, they don't hold the copyright or I have a license for it, etc., That sends the takedown back to the notifier. The notifier can file a court order against the user. If they don't, the provider, the platform, must restore the content within 10 to 14 days. So yeah, you send a takedown notice, that content goes down immediately. But as a user, if you send a counter notice, it takes 10 to 14 days minimum to get it back up. So... Anybody could abuse the system, right? Just send notices for anything you want to disappear from the internet for a couple of weeks. Well, the perjury conditions are meant to keep the system from being abused. But in practice, they're kind of hard to prove. Just being mistaken is not the same as perjury. So you'd have to prove in court that a company knew the content was not infringing when it sent the notice, not just that it was mistaken. It's kind of a hard thing to prove in court. End users are also much more likely not to want to risk a perjury lawsuit than the large companies who send bulk notices. So most takedown notices are successful. That said, willful and malicious abuses are rare because they would get a lot of attention and probably be convicted of perjury. But mistakes, reasonable mistakes, are rampant. Lots of companies have been accused of sending inaccurate bulk takedown notices because it's not perjury. It's just, I guess, incompetence. And it sometimes ends up affecting their own employees. There's lots of lots of stories out there about a music label that was doing bulk takedown notices with a third party contractor and ended up taking down their own artist stuff off YouTube. That's not the same as perjury, though. Also, there is the chilling effect of the DMCA. A content hosting platform can avoid falling afoul of the DMCA by just not hosting some material altogether if it's questionable. 
The law doesn't require a platform to host content. So companies like YouTube have employed what they call informal takedown notices that are not meant to be the legally required notices, and they can take as long as they want to play those out. These are usually constructed as terms of service violations. This lets them take down content without risking the perjury charge. Companies have the right to operate outside the DMCA in this way because the law can't force them to host content they don't want to, and it shouldn't. A copyright holder is only subject to perjury restrictions if they are following the formal takedown procedure. YouTube has a method of proceeding from informal takedowns to formal ones. For years, YouTube used a bot system called Content ID to look for possibly infringing content. If the bot thought it saw a match to a database of content provided by big copyright holders, it would pull that content off the site automatically and then notify the user that it had been pulled. This, however, is not part of the DMCA. If the user disputed the content ID claim, which they were allowed to do, YouTube would then contact the alleged rights holder. The rights holder could then release the claim and the content would go back up or could uphold the claim and the user would be notified that the rights holder still claimed the content was infringing and it would stay down. Now, this is kind of partly DMCA as this rights holder decision serves as the rights holder's formal takedown notice. But since the bot identified the content as infringing, the risk for perjury for the rights holder is almost nothing. They can point to the bot and say, well, the bot told me it was infringing. You know, I, 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 I took the bot's word for it. Seems like it's a good bot. If the user did not have an account in good standing or had already appealed three other claims, that was it. You didn't proceed into the DMCA takedown notice procedure. Didn't enter into it. YouTube just declined to host the content because they didn't want to. However, YouTube's policy was, if the user was in good standing and had not reached the appeal limit, a DMCA counterclaim could then be issued to the rights holder if the creator chose. The creator could choose to just leave it down, too, uh, or they could combat it and have the risk of perjury still there. The normal DMCA takedown procedure would then take place, and the rights holder would then have to decide whether to pursue it in court or not. And then the 10 to 14 day clock kicks in. But remember, it might have been a week for that content ID claim part to play out. So it takes longer for the YouTube process to play out than just the required DMCA process. This has happened to me before many times. I've had Daily Tech News Show episodes, and even before that, Tech News Today episodes, pulled down from YouTube because of a copyright claim that I countered, and it took a week to get to the DMCA portion, and then I had to decide, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be guilty of perjury because I have a news right. This is a fair use. I didn't circumvent any copyright protection to get it, uh, and I would counterclaim. Sometimes the counterclaim would take a day or two to process, and then my news show which 10 to 14 days later is useless, would stay down for 10 to 14 days. As I mentioned earlier, the U.S. Copyright Office can make exemptions to the DMCA. It regularly reviews exemptions and can add, extend, or remove them. The Copyright Office has issued 32 exemptions to the DMCA over the years. Here's a look at a few of them. The first two in 2000 were for website filtering, you know, like safe sites for kids kinds of stuff and preservation of damaged or obsolete software and databases. In 2003, an exemption was given to screen readers for ebooks and one for video games distributed in obsolete formats. 
A brief exemption was given in 2006 for sound recordings protected by software with security flaws. (laughs) Sony Rootkit. And uh, there was another one for unlocking wireless phones. In 2010, an exemption was given for breaking DVD's content scrambling system, CSS, but only for educational, documentary, non-commercial, or preservation uses. Also, security testing for video games was given an exemption. In 2012, an exemption for excerpting short portions of movies for criticism or comment was given. In 2018, one was given to 3D printers for the sole purpose of being able to use alternate feedstock, as well as ones to expand exemptions for preservation and security research. And there's a few more in there, but that's the general gist of the exemptions, and they'll continue as long as the DMCA continues to be law to review these every year. But the list keeps getting longer because they have not been removing. Uh, The Copyright Office has been more willing to renew them and add than to remove as of the past few years. So that's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, a.k.a. the DMCA. It makes it illegal to circumvent copyright protection unless there is an exemption written in the act itself or added by the U.S. Copyright Office. It also provides a way to try to get infringing material removed from a platform and a way for a user to combat having that material removed. I hope this helps you understand why some content is allowed up, some is not, and why you don't see some content at all. In other words, I hope you know a little more about the DMCA. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.